Welcome to This is What Democracy Sounds Like. I'm Kevin Prying. This program is a presentation of Metropolitan Congregations United. MCU is a community organization that brings together religious congregations, community groups, and individuals to work for a common purpose, to create a better life for all residents of the St. Louis region. We work at the intersection of race, economy, political power, gender, and the structures of oppression at work within us individually, within our organization, and within the community. We are working towards building people's control of the government, building community control of the economy, expanding the public sphere, and creating structural racial equity. Today, my guests are DeMarco Davidson, the lead organizer for the MCU Sacred Votes campaign, and Latrell Stanton, also an MCU organizer. As we head into the fall of 2022, uh, we're approaching our midterm elections on November 8th, and we're going to talk about what MCU is doing to engage with voters. So thank you, DeMarco and Latrell, for joining me. Man, it's always an honor, always a pleasure, man. Thank you very much for having us, Kevin. We appreciate it. This is a busy season for MCU, uh, so let's just start with some of the events that MCU has coming up. What are they, when are they, and how can people uh, participate? Well, yeah, um, our next event is October the 9th that we have a candidate forum. We are inviting most of the major candidates in the St. Louis area, um, Kim Gardner, Corey Bush, on all different levels, federal, state, and local, just as a exercise to get people within the area to be able to meet their elected leaders. That's coming up. That's on October the 9th. We also have a candidate forum on October the 13th. And in Jenny's, we have a another uh, community meeting that's scheduled, a church in Jenny's in the Fourth Ward Monument of Faith. So. Okay, great. And the, the, the event on the 9th, is, is that a candidate forum or is it a public meeting? So it's going to be a, somewhat of a hybrid, which is something new that we're trying out because um, candidate forums are, you know, there's a difference, right? A, a debate is when two candidates literally go at each other and a forum is literally is usually asking a candidate a question or asking all candidates certain questions and just letting them answer. Not that much back and forth, not that much rebuttaling or trying to one up uh, somebody else. But uh, a public meeting, uh, what we've held had in the past is where we actually ask people either their position, their stances, or we actually ask people to take an action we, with a demand, a pen is, is, is the terminology we say, and we have a demand and we ask them yes, no, and then give them a couple of minutes to answer. Since since this is a hybrid event, uh, when it, in the realm of a public meeting slash candidate forum, uh, we are we're doing a little bit of both. Uh, the, some of the candidates will know which questions we'll be asking, and we'll be asking them to share from their perspective. So we ask a question about public safety. Like, how does your position as a congressional candidate or your position that you may have already, what is, what, how do you look at public safety coming from a state senator standpoint or a state rep standpoint? It it was, there's a nice amount of state reps. So we're mostly focusing on the, on the Congress, U.S. Congress, uh, the state senators, and again, some of the local leaders, especially with the president of the board of Alderman coming up. So we definitely plan on having a few more questions, uh, and there'll be questions in the realm of when, if, and if, and when you are elected, will you, you know, X, Y, Z, will you do this? Will you do that? And we'll give them a chance to respond. And of course, some of the topics we'll be covering will be eliminating the school to prison pipeline or breaking the school to prison pipeline, 
what what are the solutions and answers towards uh, environmental injustices, especially environmental racism, uh, and and other uh, housing issues as well? Uh, those are just some of the few major things that we actually plan on asking people to be clear on, and uh, we're really excited that Centennial uh, is hosting it. Uh, Centennial Church, along with uh, Trinity Episcopal, uh, St. John's DCC, and several other congregations will be uh, really supporting it as well. So we're excited to see that happen. Okay, great. So a public meeting is usually when we state what we want and ask those elected officials to say yes or no to that. And we're going to expand that a little bit and actually hear a little bit of what they want to what they want to say about that issue, but we're keeping them locked onto those particular issues for that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And of course there will be a time for the community as well uh, at large who actually attends the event, uh, especially for uh, October, the October 9th event. One of the big things, Kevin, that we continue to push and make sure people understand is how these positions, their roles, their, the power that's within this position has an impact on our daily lives, on the, in, on the lives of people who vote, people who don't vote. People who understand the importance of voting, people who don't understand the importance of voting. These positions impact our lives. So we just continue to work on that. And that's where October 9th is a little different. Uh, the state Senate District 24 candidate forum, that's, that's way more specific towards those who live for the, in that district. But again, I'm attempting to change the definition of constituent. If I suffer the consequences of somebody's decisions, then I'm their constituent because I got to deal with the consequences. And but we're going to make sure that we give priority to uh, those who live in State Senate District 24 to ask those questions for the forum. Uh, but there will be time again for people to be able to ask questions as well. What is it about that State Senate District 24 that MCU is keyed in on? Why did we choose that particular district? That district is really the most competitive district in the St. Louis area. Um, that district was recently reformed um, due to uh, redistricting in the area and to where it was just a mainstay for the, uh, I think it, the Democratic candidate is now actually in play. And so we just wanted to point to that as an example of why it's important to stay informed about your districts and informed about your candidate base and for everybody to be aware of the changes that happens from year to year and from election to election. So, And Latrell is absolutely correct. The shape of the district actually has changed to where it was like more like east, west, now it's more north, south, and it's longer now. I think it literally goes from Fenton all the way to uh, Maryland Heights. Uh, that's a pretty large area, large territory. Uh, and some people don't even know. Many, most, a lot of nice, nice, a lot of people don't even know they're in the in the twenty fourth district uh, now. And I mean that area it also includes Creve Core and and Olivet and some other parts. So one, we want to make sure that we had a concentrated effort to let people know that they are now part of the twenty fourth district. But also, just like like Latrell said, it that is probably one of the most competitive races in in our in, on the ballot. Uh, throughout the entire state, since it's, and therefore it's getting a lot of statewide attention as well as national attention. So we want to make sure that congregations had a chance, congregations and people of faith had a chance to be able to be involved in the, in, in that process. Um, and we really appreciate the Ethical Society hosting that event on October 13th at, at 6 p.m. 
I, I will definitely put those in the description for the podcast. So all you have to do is open your favorite podcast player, click on that link, put in your name, and, and you'll get the information that you need. So, um, and and that that competitiveness it was an, an issue that we tried to address with amendments. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to get my amendments mixed up oh, here. Yeah. But we tried to address with Clean Missouri. Missouri a couple of years ago, and and now we're we're back to yes. uh, having to do it without it. So yes, I mean, and it, it's, it's it's so sad, Kevin. I mean, it was bipartisan. It wasn't just a Democrat thing or Republican thing. It was literally bipartisan as well as nonpartisan. Many citizens across uh, Missouri. I mean, Clean Missouri originally won, but then certain legislators came back around and deconstructed it. Uh, which is something that we continue to see in, in Missouri, where where Missouri voters say we want something. We do go through the process. We vote on it. We win. And then some some legislators come back and say, y'all can't win for real. Not for real. We were just joking. We give us that back. I mean, Missouri went through a lawsuit. It was it was it was ridiculous. People, some people finally was like, oh, now I see why we should have had clean Missouri. It's hindsight. So, I mean, you know, it's it's, it's troubling. It's it's, it's tough. When we, have, when we experience things like that, but we recognize that uh, people aren't giving up, which put, continue to gives us gives us hope as well. So MCU's continuing to do uh, some focus in Jennings, Missouri. Uh, Latrell, you had mentioned that just a moment ago. Uh, tell us about the activities that are going on. And w- what is the goal there? Well, um, Jennings first came to our attention when um, some organizers of ours realized that they were number one in the uh, St. Louis area for referring um, kids to the juvenile detention system. And so that caused us to look into Jennings even more and do some canvassing around the area just to see if we can, you know, find these impacted families that were being impacted, you know, disproportionately by the juvenile detention center. And doing so, we found a very um, energetic community, a community that wanted better um, for themselves. And we began to just, uh, engage the local clergy in, in an effort to galvanize the community in order to make their lives better and just make voting more of a higher priority in that area in hopes that we can just build it and make it a model for other areas as well. So we hope to just increase voter turnout, voter awareness, get people excited about the election, just in let them know that their vote vote actually matters and that voting is important and that we have the power to change our communities when we organize. I know that there are very short voter margins in Jennings. Our goal was to increase um, voter turnout by 10 or so percent, and just that small percentage is enough to sway um, different races in Jennings um, it's enough to get the attention of the local leadership in order for them to change, you know, the little things that affect their everyday lives, like trash dumping, like speeding up and down the streets or, you know, getting rid of dilapidated buildings. So it's definitely every vote makes a difference and just one energized community can change the entire election. So so what are some of the things we've been doing in Jennings the last couple of months? Well, we have been canvassing in Jennings. We have been knocking on doors. Um, like I said, we it's all in an effort to guide people towards this October 22nd community meeting. One of our big focuses is around air quality and environmental uh, racism and justice around Jennings. 
Um, we are, like I said, we are involved with uh, students and families in the uh, juvenile system in Jennings. And so uh, we've been also organizing, like I said, with the clergy in Jennings, as well as the uh, 13th district, which is kind of overlapping with Jennings as well. So all in together, we're just trying to build a, 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 a league of coalitions of clergy to, to help energize the whole city. When you're going door to door, I'm sure there are a lot of times you end up talking to to voters or people who say nothing ever changes. You know, my vote doesn't count. So what what is kind of your message uh, when you run into that attitude and, and why do you tell people it's it's still important to vote? You know, surprisingly, going door to door, um, you get a lot of people right now that are interested. They maybe just are not educated in exactly how they their vote affects. Um, their life on on an immediate basis. Um, you're getting a lot of people now that seem like they're re-energized about participating in elections. Um, what I tell people who who are still kind of disenchanted by the uh, by the election or, or or voter participation is I just let them know that you know it it's like drops in the bucket. Every single vote you know, as to the power of the entire community. Um, nothing changes without effort, nothing changes without putting forth work, and nothing changes without being educated. And so people now, I feel like that we have been in a malaise, but with the current uh, state of the electorate, that people are waking back up. And I think people are going to be really surprised that in the next few years with, with good organizers on the ground, that people are going to have a change in how they view elections. Couldn't agree with Latrell more. People are starting to get very clear on how important and how powerful the state legislation is. Uh, when we did the transformative conversations, the deep listening campaign that we did in the past, uh, we recognized there was a, a direct correlation. Uh, when we asked people, about how they felt about changes and things they see in the community. Uh, we saw a correlation that that usually was higher if they actually knew the local elected officials. And that's unfortunate. Sometimes they felt like if I don't know them personally, then I'm not getting anything done. And that like technically then people were like, oh, I got to get in good. I got to get in favor with this local elected leader. When no, this local elected leader is your worker. Like this, you're their boss. Uh, so just working on changing that mind frame for some people. Uh, now, I will say certain areas, it doesn't help if the local elected leader is also uh, an employer of a bunch of people in a community like that's also uh, problematic and, you know, in, in some ways. Right. But what we've seen is that there are people who, like what you said, they don't just don't know. They don't know how an alderman uh, actually impacts their local area. I can even say that for myself. Like, I honestly have not seen my older, older woman in Moline Acres. I know she's doing certain things, but I haven't seen her. She hasn't come to my door. I don't know. Like, she knows who I am. I don't know her. Right. So, but I, I stay in touch with the mayor more. Like, I, I, commun I communicate with the mayor. Because I communicate with the mayor, I feel like I can get things done or I can get, see changes that I want made. So, therefore, it's our, that's one of the things that, that we are looking forward to doing with my man of faith, who's was really adamant being, you know, I mean, some great work being led by, I do believe their assistant pastor, Reverend uh, Bethany, doing amazing work. 
and and really focusing on a community getting stronger and becoming more clear of who's responsible for what. And on your street, who's responsible for the things you want to see change in your street? Uh, and I think when we get people clear and be able to ask that, and, and especially if we say, by the way, that person, that's an elected position and you have the power to either hire or fire. And so I think when people, as people continue to, to get clear on that, we've seen people starting to have a little more hope and a, and not necessarily more trust in the system, uh, but definitely feel like it's something that's more tangible uh, to achieve. And with that being said, the aspect of tangibles, people are tired of hearing promises. They're tired of hearing campaign promises, plain and simple. They're sick and tired of it. So now with that being said, it's up to people, it's up to the community, it's up to the organized people <laughs> to make a declaration saying, these are our demands. Are you going to meet them or not? And if you meet them, we'll celebrate. If you don't, <laughs> we got to get you out of this office. So uh, when people become organized, that usually increases their hopefulness about seeing things change as well. We had a meeting about a year ago in Jimmy's where they had a community meeting. And one of the their biggest um, complaints was people speeding up and down the streets. And from that meeting, they they got speed bumps installed. And just that little win right there just let them know that, you know, their voice matters. And if they voice their opinion and if they're organized, that they can get results. So just that little, you know, win can just really reignite, you know, the 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 knowledge that your voice does matter. So things are changing. We just have to keep at it. Okay, good. And this is something that can apply to any community throughout the state, throughout the St. Louis region, that you look look internally, look at what's going on, and then get get together with people that that have the same uh same goals and 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 present that to your elected officials. So we want to definitely, definitely. And it definitely is challenging. I mean, I literally just met with a group of African American males and we had a conversation about the last presidential election. Um, how several people felt like that no candidates represented them. No candidates was in their best self-interest. That's something we literally work and train on when it comes to you know training and organizing people. You should be organizing around your self-interest. And the challenge of that comes in like, this. Per- I don't see this person actually benefiting me in any shape or fashion. None of these people. Uh, so it's a matter of finding who does, right? How can? Um, case in point, I want to lift up the work that J-Mo, one of the organizers, the policy organizer at MCU has done a great amount of work on uh, along with other coalitions, along with other elected representatives, that some were Democrats, some were Republicans, um, some were nonpartisan, but to work towards getting $27 million allocated for filters on water. Uh, we originally started that work very similar to, you know, we were doing the breaking the school pipeline work, recognized that people who were exposed to lead had a higher chance of being suspended from school and being in ju- juvenile detention. So we was like, well, we need to eliminate children being exposed to lead. That led us to being involved with organizations that were working on this stuff way different than we were. But then we figured out who was was interested in that, and we were able to get $27 million allocated. Now, that sounded real great until I asked J-Mo, wait a minute, who's responsible for this $27 million? It's not like uh, U.S. Rep. Corey Bush or... State Senator Brian Williams is going to show up to somebody's school with a filter in their hand, like, show me where your water system at. Like, they, that's not their job. 
apparently it's the Department of Natural Resources job. And the Department of Natural Resources is full of people who were appointed by the governor. And the governor has a mixed relationship with St. Louis City and St. Louis County. So therefore, I'm like, oh, now we have to put pressure on the Department of Natural Resources and the governor because the governor appointed these people and they are my answer to somebody else. So it just and as I break that down, usually, Kevin, and, and share that with people, people are like, oh, OK, well, that, that makes sense. As long as we know who we need to hold accountable, we feel much better about the process as well and making sure that, hey, the areas that need these things the most get them first. And to me, that's also what people are looking for. They're looking for equity and justice. And that's how one way you can do that through the electoral process. One of the ways. Right. And that's a good reminder that once, even if something passes, doesn't mean it's going to get done. You still right. got to still got to hold people accountable. And that's, that's exactly. what MCU is about too, is holding, holding those officials accountable. So DeMarco, you've been working on relational voter uh, program. How's that been going this past year? And uh, tell us where we're at and, and what, what's happening with that. I think it's been absolutely incredible. We, we, we're working on, on, on the, on the branding still, to be honest. Uh, and I, I, I think we, I think we're landing with democracy builders. Uh, and I like the aspect of a, being a democracy builder because we really are reaching out and develop the relationships with, with people, one person at a time. Uh, we've actually done different um, sessions at different places, different congregations. Uh, of course, one of the, um, the big concerns for most people are, oh, who's going to, you know, who's going to use my list? Who's going to see my list? And what are you going to do with the list that I create? I just let people know that's your list. So, and that's your relationship. Uh, the Marco Colin Latrell's list will be the absolute opposite of what relational voter program is. Uh, it's Latrell checking in on people. It's Latrell asking people, hey, you registered to vote? You know your polling place. It's Latrell inviting people to events. It's Latrell letting people know uh, that, hey, you too can be a democracy builder. Uh, so right now we got close to, um, I would say, a thousand people. But close to a thousand people that's within our relational voter program. Uh, and we I think we it's about 70 or so democracy builders, a democracy builder, somebody who says, yes, I would I would like to let people know about activities or events or or, or even petitions. We try I'm working towards getting a thousand of them, a be a thousand democracy builders who have at least 10 people each that they can call on or check in or invite to different activities and events. One of them biggest and clearest victories that relational voter program changed or made a difference was in how quickly we were able to get certain things accomplished. Uh, one thing in particular was a petition. Uh, last year, we asked people to do a petition, to share it, send it out, some other stuff. It took us about seven, close to seven months to get to 400. That was that was last year. This year we used the relational voter, voter program and we were able to get to close to 300 petitions signed in two weeks. Hmm. Like that's the difference when people who are people who personally ask people to do something else. If if some random person I, I don't know asks me to do something, it depends on what it is. I might do it. Most likely I won't. Like, I don't even like answering the phone. People, I, I I don't know. I don't know this number. I'm not answering the phone, right? But if I see my mama call, I'm, 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 I'm going to answer. You know, or I might call back, right? Well, she asked me to do something. I'm like, okay, ma, it's important to you. Yeah. Oh, as a matter of fact, it's important to me too, right? So 
I think that's the that's the key that we're looking for. People that's just again want to just develop their influence and be able to and just be able to check in and, and encourage people to take action. Because people don't take people don't do anything until they ask to do something. Uh, and it's way better than just hoping that we, oh we will just send this out in the email or we will send this out on Facebook and hope that the algorithm lords <laughs> figure it like <laughs> to get to people need no like people need to be directly invited. And I've even been able to uh, invite or say, say, hey, people in this group that I'm involved in, in a group chat, hey, I need you all to take this action. Let me know when you take this action. And we go from there. Uh, so one of the things we happened to do was, hey, encourage, hey, check your check your polling place. Make sure your, your voter registration is good, things like that. And from that conversation, I ended up assisting probably about seven different members of that group that I didn't even know would even, even need assistance. But then they also was like, hey, I got my mama right here. We need we need to know who these people are or we need to know about these issues. Uh, so I was like, well, I can send you so, so there. Like, I can send you something right away. Right. So I think that was another way that that we're able to uh, be able to get information to people that we know and then get information from people they trust. Now, we had also, you had done a trip to Memphis earlier this summer. I don't think I ever had a chance to ask how that went for you or what was that experience? Oh, like my God. You? Yes, 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 yes. So we were able, we went to Memphis uh, and, and we worked with one of our affiliates in the uh, Gamaliel Network, uh, Memphis Interfaith Coalition on Action and Hope, uh, Micah for short. Micah has been doing amazing groundwork when it comes to preparing Memphis for to have a real discussion again about equity and justice around the prosecuting attorney of Memphis. Memphis had the white woman version of Bob McCullough. Her policies, her 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 the way she conducted herself was very Bob McCullough-esque. So one that touched me right there because I was not a fan of Bob McCullough for personal reasons. But then two, uh, just to see how that particular race, that particular election impacted the lives of literally thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Memphis uh, people in Memphis. And I have family in Memphis, so that also was important. But Micah has been doing this work for, oh, Lord, for at least three, three, four years. And they were really concerned. They didn't know how things were going to turn out. Uh, they were they were they put in a lot of work them and several other coalitions, several other fraternities, sororities. Not only did the the candidate that lifted up the values of Micah, not only did that candidate win, uh, also the mayor. Uh, they got a new mayor who also valued the similar values as Micah, and a juvenile justice judge, a juvenile judge who was pinned at. A Micah meeting. If you become juvenile justice, will you judge with a, a sense of like restorative justice practices, things like that? That judge also won. So it's just amazing to see those values win and win in Memphis, win in Tennessee. Tennessee is a lot like Missouri. I mean, Missouri. <laughs> so therefore, I'm just excited to see that people are really understanding that. Uh, while it seems sometimes it seems like certain issues are not on the ballot, we are the ones who have to lift these issues up to candidates and then make a decision, a decision from there and then say, hey, environmental justice is on the ballot. Reproductive justice is on the ballot because this these candidates are saying that they will be doing this. 
these candidates are saying they won't be doing that. One of the U.S. Senate candidates who won their primary literally said that they're going to do everything in their power to eliminate or to vote no on the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal that is about being way more proactive towards climate change. I don't understand that value. Uh, but guess what? Because of that, now environmental justice, now climate change is on the ballot now. Brother Eating Candidate talks about it now because now we have a choice. You know, so I think there's issues like that that need to be brought up. Uh, and it, we might not like the candidate who is who is going for that, but those are our issues. There and therefore, if we can get clear on our issues, then we sometimes we get in the next four episodes of that, like that makes it easier to understand what our self-interest is too. And so what are some of the other uh, activities that MCU is going to be participating in as we get closer to the election this November? We, we, we're not doing enough, Kevin. Come on, man. Let's, <laughs> did you not hear our name? We do it. That's, it goes up to the end of October. Uh, but of course, we, we're working on get out the vote. Uh, we, we call that GOTV. That's the last uh, 10 days before the election and day of the election. So uh, Latrell will be out there uh, working with a lot of the canvassers working, looking to hire. If y'all know anybody who can, who's look, looking for extra income, uh, paying at least $20 an hour to canvas. Uh, canvas are particular communities right now. We're focusing on Dutchtown South slash the State Streets on the South Side, as well as in Jennings. Uh, so we'll just be continuing to canvassing, caught canvassing, knocking on doors, uh, we, phone banks. Uh, we'll be collaborating with MOVE, Missouri organizing uh, and, on voter and, and, and voter engagement. Uh, that's the that's the statewide organization that we work with. So we'll be collaborating with them on some of the uh, the, the the centralized GOTV, uh, and they'll, we'll, so we'll have opportunities for there too, uh, as well for people to participate. I think the my final question for you guys, uh, uh, for e- either one of you, both of you, uh, for people who might be hesitant uh, because you know canvassing, phone banking can be a little bit intimidating, but every every person kind of counts. So what would you say to somebody who's like, yeah, I don't know about doing that to encourage them to, to show up um, and take those first steps and, and get to know their neighbors and, and, and talk to people, talk to other voters? Um, well, what I would say is that what is democracy? You know, democracy is a living, breathing thing. Um, it needs to be maintenance. It needs all of its system, circulatory system, respiratory system to be moving and operating at full capacity in order for it to do what it's supposed to do. I think if you look at um, the state of politics right now, I think it's where it is right now from a little bit of voter neglect, from people not paying attention, not making me sit, not um, playing their part in it. Um, I feel like that we have already felt some of the pains from ignoring uh, participating in the democratic system. We have seen shrinkage in voter um, access. We have seen shrinkage in certain rights, like the right to protest or the right to uh, health care, different things like that. And all that comes from not fulfilling our duty to maintenance and keep up our democracy. It's a it's a living and breathing thing. And just like your body, you want to keep maintenance on your body. You want to keep maintenance on your home. Um, you have to keep maintenance on democracy. And I think the best thing about that is, it's just like DeMarco said, what's so impressive about DeMarco is he'll let you know that this is a person-to-person action. You know, every person that touches another person. And what is that? That's community. 
Um, that's community. You're not a part of a community just because you live next door to someone. If you don't know them, if you don't know what their needs, you don't know to watch out for their house, you don't know their kids, you're not in the community. And so we are trying to get out here and rebuild communities so that we can maintain our democracy and we can make sure that it doesn't go to waste or, or go away completely. So that's everybody's duty. And it only takes a small portion, a small couple of days. Hey, just give us 10 days. Give us 20 days out the years, 365 days. Give us 15. Give us 20. And uh, and we'll be able to maintenance uh, our democracy to make sure that our kids grow up in a better place than what we did. So, Great. And I think the last thing I have is, is just one more time, give us those dates and, and times for our meetings coming up. The uh, look up and live event that is going to have everything from the mayors to state reps to uh, federal senators. That's going on October the 9th at Centennial Church. And then we're also going to have a candidate forum going on at October the 13th with uh, the candidates for the 24th district. And we're also going to have a, a local community meeting in Jenny's Fourth Ward. This is going down on October the 22nd. So those are the things we have coming up, but always be on the lookout for more uh, on the on on the coming that's coming up. So, uh, thank you, Demarco. Thank you, Luttrell, both organizers for MCU. If you're ready to join us in this work for justice in the St. Louis area, contact us at 314-367-3484, or shoot an email to office at mcustl.com. You can also learn more about the organization by going to our website at mcustlewis.org. Also be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for news and events. I'm Kevin Prang, and you've been listening to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. Tune in again next time, and thank you for listening.